Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 16th of June 2011. I always advise new listeners, and there are always every night new listeners coming in as the word gets around over the years, very slowly, but it gets there. I advise them to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and to help themselves to all the free audios that are available for download. And there are literally hundreds up there now, maybe a bit over, I don't know how many, maybe a thousand even. But anyway, I try and show you shortcuts to understanding the system you're born into, uh, so that when you start, if you ever do, really wake up and you're prepared to shed all previous convictions and free fall, as I call it, into finding the truth, uh, then hopefully I'll show you some of the shortcuts in understanding the big system and why it is the way it is today, this world, where it's going, uh, where it's been, uh, who designed it, who, who are still designing the future. And it's not so complicated as you might think. It's, uh, you don't have to run off into aliens doing it because man couldn't do it. Man certainly can do it, do it and he actually has been doing it for an awful long time. And that's a big trick. It's, it's done in secrecy and is run from the top down to get the perfect kind of society that they want at the top. Eugenics, the educational system, everything is involved in this to make sure uh, that you don't really wake up to this. You're supposed to think that everything is quite normal and we're just evolving along in some strange manner towards some futuristic system where we'll, we'll just all be chipped in the brain and be quite happy afterwards. That's what you're meant to, to think right now. In fact, you're not really meant to think too much at all for yourselves. It's discouraged. So remember, too, that you can support me by buying the books and discs I, I got for sale on the website. And uh, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check or cash, or you can send uh, a PayPal. Use the donation button on the com site and follow it with an email with name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. Across the rest of the world, you've got um, PayPal again. And you've also got uh, Western Union and MoneyGram. And straight donations, remember, are very, very welcome. I meant to say, too, in the U.S., you can use the international postal money orders as well from your post office. Uh, but we are living in, a, in such an amazing time, isn't it? We're going through the, the big transitional phase that they talked about in the 1800s. And I mean that. In the 1800s, the big founders of industry, massive industry, uh, talked about the kind of society that they wanted for the 20th century. They talked about global empire. They talked about standardization of the world because they, they thought upon the lines of the mass man. The man was a cog in the machine, basically. That's how they saw everyone with a place, and you had to have a place or, or you have no function at all. And that's why socialism came up too, and George Bernard Shaw and all the rest of them thought, uh, eugenics should come into it, the fittest should be encouraged to breed, and those who are less fit are discouraged or sterilized. And that was the, the socialist philosophy of the Fabian society, which is still uh, part of the big structure today. So it's a very, very important part of it, in fact. And that's really the lines we were going along. 
uh, for the 21st century. They knew that if they accomplished their goals in the 20th century, the 21st century would be the century that they'd bring in their utopia, the one they'd planned for, for a long time, global empire, truly global empire, a standardization of the entire planet into one system. Uh, that's banking, uh, politics, everything, all standardized into the one system and uh, uh, the reduction of the unfit again. And there's no problem with the unfit. They, they've been taught not to breed, actually, in the civilized countries. They don't want children. And, um, and of course, the other countries will follow suit over the next hundred years. And a lot of them are already doing that. The ones who have immigrated to Britain and elsewhere from third world countries are already following that route. They, they go for the material goods uh, rather than have children. So it'll take a little while, but they'll get exactly what they want in the future if we allow it. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. Over the years I've talked about the eugenics program and given a bit of its history and I've shown too, as I say, that the education system across the Western world was borrowed from the the German system really and then you had the Frankfurt School coming over too later on adding to it and John Dewey before that even came along. The idea was to work on behalf of the already established rich elite of those countries and to make sure that a society would serve them. Therefore, they would train the society from school onwards and that really is the purpose of schooling and um, and no further, basically. And they really were very, very blunt about it in the early days about what exactly they were after in education. They didn't have so much public relations experts coming in to camouflage it and soften it to make it sound awfully nice. But... Uh, they were very, very blunt about it too. Eugenics has always been at the top of the program, and they've tried many other um, means of getting eugenics through. I mean, they used to do it quite openly in the United States. In fact, uh, they literally sterilized what they called the feeble or, or those who weren't quite up to what they regarded as being par. And uh, it was mandatory sterilization in front of a judge, and he decided, and that was it, off you went. And that happened right up until the 70s in some of the U.S. states. Uh, in Nuremberg trials, in fact, the Nazis brought that up, that it was the, it was the American methods that they actually copied. That's where they got it from, from the Rockefeller Institute. They were admirers of them and their methods too. So the Germans took all the blame for eugenics, but in reality they were copying London and because a lot of the stuff came out of London uh, to do with the future society and, and the United States as well. But last night I also mentioned that they also uh, were all for the communist plan. Isn't it odd you would think that all the, these elite people would be for the communist plan because it truly was a, a big laboratory where the government yelled and you jumped. It was as simple as that, you see. Uh, it wasn't democratic. You just did what you were told. So they could do whatever they wanted to with the populations, and they did. And they used the Pavlovian techniques in school to make sure the children were properly indoctrinated with other conditioned responses and, and, and so on. And, uh, and we know, of course, since then that the Western banks did fund the Soviet system all through its entire existence, in fact. So you always find this, that when you're given an enemy, be very, very, very careful. 
very careful. Uh, never believe propaganda. Uh, England uh, used to be called perfidious England. Uh, Napoleon used to say that quite often because it would create an ally and use that ally and then dump the ally and then turn around and kill him. Uh, it was very, very commonly. Uh, and now we're seeing the same techniques used by the U.S. today with its various allies. And suddenly, Al-Qaeda, the enemy, is Al-Qaeda, the, the good guy. And even before he was the enemy, he was a good guy too. So it's back and forth and back and forth. And all those guys who lose their lives fighting in these organizations never really know the real goal. They never, they're given basic propaganda, uh, very simplistic, and they never know the real goal of those who are pulling all the strings at the top. So... When you go through the Communist Manifesto and what the elite actually wanted for the rest, is the rest of the public, the masses as you call them, they talked about destruction of the family unit. It was very important, still is today, and it doesn't matter if it's right wing, left wing, the same bureaucracies are still in position in governments and they continue doing their jobs. Uh, Russell, uh, Bertrand Russell, a very important guy who helped design the system, that we have lived through up till now and actually into a good part of the century because he talks about where it would all go because he sat in the boards that planned it all, like the culture creators, the educational systems as well. And he said, he says in one of his quotes, he says, it seems for the good or evil that the family as a unit should more and more fade away, leaving no group to interpose its authority between the individual and the state. And that's what I said last night. The goal is always to, to remove all those around you, as generally family members, who will stand up for you and in front of you and alongside you against the state. Well, most folk don't have that anymore, so that's been accomplished. So it says, more and more fairly, leaving no group to interpose its authority between the individual and the state. This does not apply so much to the well-to-do, that's your wealthy class, who may continue to employ special nurseries, special schools, and special doctors, and all the mechanism of private enterprise. But for wage earners, the cost of such individualism is prohibitive. Where the children are concerned, it's inevitable that any functions no longer performed by the parent must come to be undertaken by the state. And remember I said at the beginning, even Lenin said the same thing, We'll start them off as, as um, services, like child care services, um, child welfare services and all, and then they'll become authorities. Well, that's what you have, folks. Long-term planning, and you don't even know that, how it all started. This is as regards the immense majority, therefore, uh, the choice lies not between parental care and the care of experts selected by the parents, but between the parents and the state. So the state is your boss. Uh, they come in on behalf of the child and decides what's right for them, wrong for them, and all the rest of it. So uh, we're not dealing with fools at the top. We're dealing with very clever individuals who who are also specially tutored in this Machiavellian art of uh, ruling the populations. And I've got a few links actually uh, tonight I'll put up. But anyway, one of them is to do with John Taylor Gatto, who has done excellent work on giving a history of especially the American, but not just the American, educational systems. They're all the same, and the whole British Empire was the same too. Still is today. And he gives you, again, the real reasons for education. He goes through, uh, on an, this is an audio PDF, or uh, MP3, and he, um, he actually goes through a lot of the history, the names of the people who introduced things along, especially in the United States, and what their intentions were and how it's worked out since then. 
uh, it names all the big foundations involved and what they were after as well and what the big corporations were after because you'll always notice when they say, oh my goodness, uh, school is failing, what we're doing, and then throw more money at it. But they also have meetings with government, uh, the educational system, big business corporations to see what big business wants and, and, and various other special branches. And then they decide what the perfect uh, worker should be or the perfect citizen should be uh, and what kind of culture they'll have and all the rest of it. So another uh, little quote, too, it's worth re- remembering is Bernays uh, on crystallizing public opinion. Now, he gave uh, the U.S. and the, the Western world its consumer society. That was part of his job. Again, uh, a very interesting guy, a nephew of Freud, um, who obviously had been taught since early childhood this particular art because uh, Wilson took him off, President Wilson took him off, when he started up the League of Nations, he took him off to France with them. And I think he was only 22 or 23 at the time, uh, already a public relations or propaganda expert. But he also was used by many presidents afterwards to help uh, alter, change, and tweak up the, the kind of culture they were giving to the U.S. citizenry. And he was very good at it. So he was a man who could start wars and actually did start one. But he says, invisible power, this is from a a master of it now, invisible power is now in control of every aspect of American life. Democracy is only a front for skillful wire-pulling. Tricks the new sciences of mental manipulation could place at the disposal of politicians and policy people for a price. So, democracy is a front, he says, for skillful wire-pulling. And they use tricks and the new sciences of mental manipulation. Now it's called neuroscience. And it places at the disposal of politicians and policy makers. These sciences are given to them for a price. That's what he said. And that was 1923. For those who think that we're just evolving down some strange road where a crisis just came out the blue and um, politicians work all night feverishly, mind you, because they worry about you so much. Uh, to fix the problems, as the media would have you believe. And it's quite fascinating, as I say, that there's so many quotes I could go on with, but but there's no real point, is there? Because most folk now won't read, you know. They will not read. They'll, they'll watch a, a video, and in a video, it's, just, it's like television or a movie, there's only so little you can put into it. There's not a lot you can really put in there. And you generally, they found this out too, people cannot remember very much from all these videos that they watch. They don't much remember much at all. Where books are different, you can put it down, you can pick it up when you want to, you can continue, you can go to sleep on a subject and wake up in the morning and it's, it's crystallized in your mind. Uh, so it's far, far better. But um, someone also has put down a little bit of the dumbing down process of America. And it's not just America, it's the Western world, as I say, uh, in, in a, a sort of chronological paper trail, he calls it. And he's, he only starts the 1930s, but it says the Chamber of Commerce plans for United Nations, actually drew up plans for United Nations in 1930s. Regional government, which is getting implemented right now, uh, was drawn up in the 1930s. Uh, school vouchers, too, were, were put in as well to get the women out to, to work and all the rest of it. Uh, in 1932, William Foster, chairman of the United States Communist Party, put out his book called Towards a Soviet America, 
and he had it published. It calls for everything that has since been implemented in the nation's schools, including the establishment of the U.S. Department of Education, along with the Rockefeller Foundation, too, mind you, because they were all for that. 1934, the Carnegie Corps plans to change America's free economic system to socialism, collectivism in the new order. They pilot an eight-year study using outcome-based education. 1934. 1942, Time magazine published an article revealing plans for the Federal Council of Churches to implement a world government. In 1945, the United Nations is created by a majority of communists, and that's true. All the top guys who helped draft its charter uh, were communists, and quite a few Canadians, too, were on the board of that, alongside Alger Hiss, who was a eventually proven communist, like a member of the party. 1953, Congress set up the Congressional Investigation of Tax-Exempt Foundations. Gaither, president of the Ford Foundation, tells Norman Dodd that foundations received directions from White House in regards to using tax-exempt monies to change America so it can be comfortably merged with the Soviet Union. 1953, back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix and just going through some of the, the various laws that were put out across the U.S. and the rest of the world too, because really everything happens at the same time. I noticed that many years ago, the laws they passed in Britain to do with special education were passed in the U.S. at the same time as they kept trying these new systems or adding to the new types of systems of manipulation for the minds of the children, including making it less uh, important to know the subjects, but more important to know how you felt about the subjects, literally. And that's what's happened today. And even recent studies have shown that the U.S. students who, they get get their degrees, but they they can't compete with foreign students because the foreign students had far better education and they took their education far, far more seriously. but the American students did feel awfully good about themselves, awfully, awfully good, and they were very confident they really were the top of the world until they had to try and compete with others from outside and other countries. That's when the shock came. So it's manipulation for the perfect society, as I say, and they wanted this type of society today, uh, maybe 25 years ago. That's why they bred a generation to be the way that they are. And they bred the generation before that to be the way they were too, and the free love generation and all the other, and the rest of it. It's all from culture creation at the top, coupled with the schooling system. Entertainment, schooling, does all that you need with children and youngsters. Very, very effective. Now, there's a caller from, uh, I guess it's Saudi Arabia on the line, uh, Hadib, if he's there. Are you there? Yes. Hello? Yes, Hello? go ahead. How are you, uh, Alan? Yes. Hello. I can hear you. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, hello, Alan. Uh, I, uh, uh, I was uh, interested in uh, reasoning uh, uh, some of the topics uh, I was talking about uh, two days ago, the last time. Uh, and uh, I wanted to shed some light about uh, the uh, Iranian-American uh, uh, relationship. I'll tell you, could, 
Hadzeb, could you try and call back? Maybe it's a, it's, the line is terrible. Okay. It is so muffled, it's, I can't understand a word you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Try another line. Yeah. Okay. Okay. As I say, too, uh, we're all given um, the culture for our times. And it's not to serve ourselves, although we think it is, of course, quite naturally. We think every, every generation thinks it's their, it's their time. In fact, they're, they're taught to believe that. You know, my generation, as the old song goes. And, uh, and each one thinks they're better than the previous one. But they have nothing to base it on. Nothing at all to base it on except the propaganda. It's been, it's a very vague propaganda, but it's, it's propaganda drummed into them through, again, the music industry, the movies, and through their schooling as well. Because uh, really, when you look at the old uh, educational systems, even the ones in the in the, the 19th century, uh, the, the tests that children at seven were taken, they couldn't pass them today when they're 15 or 16. They couldn't pass them today. And they really think they're well-educated, and they feel awfully good about themselves. And again, that's all the sociological interference with specialism coming into the, the system. And uh, they are the perfect citizens. No, they don't know very much. They're taught to go out and have fun, which they do. And if you wanted to really control every stage, and this is what they talked about in the Soviet system too, they could control every stage of a person's uh, lifespan. What do babies do? What do children do at the checkout counter? They want all the candies here, so the, so the merchants always stuff the candies at the checkout counter because everyone is passing through the queue, and no one wants to get held up with all the, the, the touchers at the back if you hold them up, all the tisks, because that child's screaming their head off and they want that candy. So they put them there, knowing darn well the child will, the child will go for them, and they'll generally get the candy just to get peace and out they go. But so, so if you put that same child there, and with a whole bunch of candy on the floor, it will eat the stuff until it's sick. It, that's how it will do. It will just keep eating until it's sick. As everyone has probably witnessed it sometime or another, or tried. <laughs> and uh, it's the same thing with teenagers. When, when the hormones first kick in, and you've already given them a culture of sex, sex, sex with music television, that's all you see. It's all, that's all it's about, in fact. And all kinds of sex, too. Augmented by their sexual education, which is really promotion at school. Uh, then they're, they're, they're in Candyland because sex is so easy and, 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 and free today. Uh, they'll go for it. So overindulgence in everything is the name of the game. And then, of course, they don't realize that they're not going to bond with anybody throughout their lifetime. And and I'll never dawn on them that, that their whole lifestyle was planned by people much, much older than themselves and a long time ago. And they literally are behaving the way that these octogenarians and others have uh, planned them to be. Quite something, isn't it? As I say, same thing with the troops too. Dumb them down, give them video movies from the military for 25 years to play with, turn them loose on people who generally can't fight back with the same equipment. Guess what happens? Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix. And 
is another caller on the line. It's Frank from North Carolina. Are you there, Frank? Hello? Oh, uh, yeah. Something you said uh, uh, reminded me of a question that I've had for some time. And when I first thought of it, I was like, why, why haven't I really given this much thought before and why haven't I really heard much about it? You're talking about how the, uh, the West... Uh, like us here in America, how we've been dumbed down and everything. But uh, how come the uh, the third world, the Muslim world, seems to be so ignorant, uh, say, for example, about 9-11? They all seem to buy into the propaganda, the official narrative of what happened. And I see all these uh, these uh, spokesmen, like here locally, anytime there's something in the news about, you know, some Muslim or whatever, uh, someone related to the Muslim religion is involved in this or that, they always bring out the spokesman, and they, they always go with the official narrative and say, well, it's not all of us that are doing that. But, I mean, it's so easy to see that the, the person was set up. Uh, but anyway, maybe I'm not asking the question that good, but you, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. People, again, too, uh, look for the authorized leaders. That's the problem, again, in society, the authorized leaders. And uh, uh, it's more so in some cultures than others. I, personally, I think it's probably across the board in this day and age. Everyone believes in the authorized leader. There's a book that was called Straight and Crooked Thinking. It's an excellent book to read. It tells you why we do this and uh, how you could basically get a tramp on a soapbox in London, uh, in, the, in the park, uh, giving his oration and getting booed and jeered by the crowd, but you dress him up in a, in a good suit, um, give some propaganda in the newspapers, call him a genius, he's going to come to the big the London Palladium and give a lecture, and they'll all turn up there and applaud him, all, all, the, all the upper class and all the rest of it. It's all appearances and perception, and the way we're trained in, this, in the day and age to believe in experts, you see. And so you always have authorized spokespeople too. problem within the Middle East itself is you have so many factions, outside factions, running different groups. And a lot of them you don't even know. The followers don't, don't generally know. Um, you've, you've got Britain with its own groups there. You've got the U.S. with its groups there um, and funding as well. And you've got Israel with its groups there. In fact, a lot of the stuff coming out from Muslim countries comes actually out of from Israel. They have a station up. And uh, you think it's Arab uh, uh, sites and, and talks, but it's actually coming from Israel, Israel run. And the Guardian did a big um, article on this particular group. Uh, most of the images we get from, the, from, from the, those countries come through the Israeli, this, uh, Israeli TV um, corporation that's linked with the Mossad. And, uh, however, but as I say, you can't really believe what you see on television anymore because I've, I've seen people give lectures live. And I've seen what the TV will cut out of them until they'll select sentences, put them out of context, and you've got a completely different story at the end of it. So there's very little you can believe coming from television, you know. Okay, thank you, Alan. Yeah. But you wanted to say something else, sir? No, I think it's gone. But that, that's the truth of it. Um, you, don't, you don't understand that television is so incredibly... Manipulated and manipulative as its purpose, in fact. It wasn't put out there to entertain you, just entertain you uh, at all. Uh, just like the, the internet is not there to entertain you, it's there to change you and to standardize you as well. And we see it working very well with the young again who don't know, they're, they're not wise enough that, to, to mistrust and, and be wary of things. And they're putting all their whole life up on Facebook, their whole life, their daily activity, everything they, everything they do. It's up on Facebook, you know. 
It's not there just for entertainment. And television was the greatest tool of all. There was a dictator in South America uh, that the U.S. helped to put back in power, and uh, he said we had, uh, we had two great tools. He says uh, fantastic weaponry and uh, a great television propaganda system. It's so important. But yeah, they can take anything out of context whatsoever and make a person appear to be live talking and saying the opposite of what he's actually trying to say by chopping pieces out of it. It's quite easy to do. And I've watched it many, many times, the same trick being pulled. So there's nothing out there, as I say, that you can't even take it face value. And I'll try and find that uh, that one from The Guardian to show you uh, the manipulation of a lot of the what you think is, is Arabian news coming out. It's not Arabian at all. Now, the TSA, it's amazing too, and here we are back home and, and we're, we're under this constant fear because it's perpetual war, perpetual terrorism for as long as you're going to live now, folks. I hope you understand that. That's the agenda. See, they, they knew before 9-11 happens they were going to have perpetual war because they already had that list drawn up of all those countries to be taken out. And they published the list through the New American Century Group. And, of course, Bush belonged to that. And Wolf of Wits, Cheney, Rumsfeld, all these guys, he belonged to that group. Published that list, and you're finding Obama is simply continuing the same list. And eventually you will have problems because people will get ticked off at all these bombings going on across the world, and, and a lot of immigrants too, and you will get problems. So back in the 90s, they knew they would have to radicalize the people at home, get them under a permanent uh, terrorism alert, basically, and train them to obey, obey, obey. They put a movie out in 98. It was called Siege. I never watched it at the time. I just looked at the back cover, and it was a, a, it was a video, video at that time, videotape, VHS. And it told me all I needed to know. I thought, there's big names in this movie. It's about martial law in the U.S. And it'll probably go through the whole scenario that we'll get down the road. And sure enough, it did. I only saw it recently. And it did go through all the stuff that you have seen happen, including having them at the top saying, oh, we've got to you know, just bypass the Constitution and bring in martial law here to keep us all safe. All that stuff is all in that movie called Siege. Predictive Programming par excellence. Everything is in there. Everything. 1998 it was done. So I understand, we're, just, we're living through a script, as I say, a, a long-term business plan. It's the century of change, and by God, haven't they changed at all? And, and, and the U.S. is so bad now. I mean, I'd, the picture that the outside world gets of the U.S. is a police state, and it's been called a police state even by federal judges in Canada. It takes a lot to penetrate their skulls at that level through the brandy, you know, the mist of brandy and stuff. However, it gets through eventually, and it's a police state. And the people that are adapting to it, as the, as the folk at the top know, they'll adapt to it. And it's to get worse and worse and worse until you, as well as having your door open and having a federal agent living in your home, because eventually you're, you're going to get an awful lot of visits. Everyone will is, is a part of a routine inspections, and, and that's what you're going to get, folks. That's the goal. No privacy. They've said it to you. You can have no privacy in this new world order. He's a TSA now conducting the security exercise, and it says, 
the Transportation Security Administration and several federal, state and local agencies will participate in a scheduled exercise designed to enhance security in the Ohio West Virginia areas. The TSA is partnered with local law enforcement to conduct thousands of similar operations from coast to coast. This is a scheduled operation not related to a specific threat. The exercise will cover approximately 5,000 square miles throughout Ohio, Kentucky and West Virginia. The participating teams are composed of a variety of TSA assets, like it's all the stuff from the CIA, or assets, they're all assets now, eh? including federal air marshals, canine teams, inspectors, and bomb appraisal officers. They'll be joined by state and local law enforcement officials to supplement existing resources, provide detection and response capabilities. The exercise will utilize multiple airborne assets, as well as assets again, including Black Hawk helicopters and fixed-wing aircraft, as well as waterborne and surface teams. This is an all-out war-at-home exercise. And I'll put these, these links up, too, as I say, at the end of the evening for you to peruse your own, your own leisure. But you understand, this is madness. It's planned madness. It appears to be mad at the bottom to a lot of people who don't understand the reasons for it. They know it stinks, but they don't know, know the whys of it all. It appears mad, but it's not mad. There's, there's an incredible intelligence governing all this apparent chaos because it's training everyone, perpetual terrorism from now on. That's what they're telling you. It's never going to go back to anything that, that existed before. Never. I hope you realize that. And as you're adapting, you're, you're allowing it all to happen. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And again, you know, I've, I get so many articles sent here from the U.S. to do with police brutality and killing folk. And again, looking in at the U.S., if that's all you saw, you'd, you, you would never want to visit there. You'd never want to visit because it seems so dangerous. The police are dangerous. That's, that's the impression you get. And tonight I put up a video where a police officer executes a man. Uh, the cop went into his home, and then the guy told them that he, he, he needed a warrant. The cop pulled a gun in his head in front of his fellow officer, who testified this is what happened, and told him he didn't need a, a warrant, and he called him probably the MF word, you know. It's in all the movies. That's where we learn all our language from, the movies again, Hollywood. And then, uh, and then he killed the guy. Shot his dog first, of course. They always love to shoot your dog first. Just to make you really suffer before you, you know, blow up. What would you do if a guy shot your dog? They know what you're going to do. They know. And, you know, in this crazy world where all the elite have always been involved in the opium trade. I mean, there's a long history of the opium trade. Uh, too long to tell here, and it's, you can all find it yourselves these days if you look for it, on the big families that, that literally set up to take over China, and China was occupied, at least a, a good part of the eastern seaboard was occupied by Britain, uh, uh, America, and, and uh, France, and a couple other countries, under the auspices of trading, but really it was all about getting the opium trade going and getting all the other goods out of China at the time too. China didn't want to trade with the world, and they were forced to trade. And, uh, you know, thousands of bales of pure opium were dumped for weeks on the shores to get the people all hooked. And believe you me, they were dirt poor, and like all dirt poor people, you want escapism, 
and they supply it just like they do in inner cities of the cities today in the West. They do the same trick there. They make sure the drugs flow in and people can forget their misery for a little while. This article says, This isn't Afghanistan. Stunning fields of opium poppies that is actually in Dorset in England. So it depends who you are. You see, if you were to grow a little cannabis, you might get a SWAT team in. They might come and kill you. But depending on who you are, you could be allowed to grow a field of of opium poppies. This is sweeping through this field of poppies. Gardener uh, Hannah Taylor employs a remarkable display of the flowers in a field in Dorset today. Isn't that nice? The striking display of colour was on show at an estate owned by a Conservative member of Parliament, Richard Drax, who has given up his land to grow the flowers for the National Health Service. I'm sure that's what it's all about, isn't it? He just likes people so much, he wants to give them drugs. And the hot, dry spring alongside the weekend downpour has resulted in the bumper blooming of the crop, which will now be turned into morphine. And it says, Mr. Drax's estate is one of more than 30 sites across the country where the opium poppies, which are more commonly associated with Afghanistan, are now being grown. A pharmaceutical company will then harvest the poppy heads in order to produce the pain-killing drugs. And then it says, once the, the poppy heads are taken and dried, the seed pods inside are processed and turned into morphine and codeine. And it goes on and on and on. So as you understand, there's altruistic purposes for, for, for doing the same stuff, you know, as you're, you're, you're basically killing other people uh, for the same time. So we're living in... See, this is the real world where the elite can do what they want, you understand? It's real. It's always been this way. It's all you've been trained not to believe that. You see, that's how it is. That's how it really is. Yet none of this stuff's going to end up on the streets. Can you imagine the amount of money involved in fields of this size? And in Britain too, as the culture goes down the hill, and there's not much left of the culture now. Uh, it's such a, a milieu, a mosaic of so many bits and pieces of cultures. Plus, you have the criminal element working big time, uh, even more so since the economy has gone down the tubes, never to return. Uh, he's a girl of 15 who sold off to a French fry shop, chip shop, they call it, uh, workers by a gang for £100 gasoline money. Yeah. There's a lot of this stuff going on now, too. It says, a married man sold a 15-year-old girl to restaurant workers for sex so he'd buy petrol to get home, a court heard yesterday. And it says, Tanvir Ahmed, known as T to the young children he groomed, arranged for three men to have sex with a youngster for £100, the court was told. Pocketed the cash to put fuel in his car and pay off gambling debts. Now it says, the 39-year-old is one of nine Asian men on trial for 55 separate charges, which include trafficking, grooming and rape against teenage girls 13 to 16 between 2007 and 2009. Now, guess what the girls got in return for this? They were groomed, especially for sex, you know. And it says, The seven teenage girls, all from Telford, Shropshire, were said to have been enticed and ensnared into a destructive world by offers of drugs. That's where they wanted drugs. These young children wanted drugs, alcohol, and top-ups on their mobile phones. <laughs> That's your modern world for you. Eh? Just like the sci-fi movies had it years ago. It's all here. Clever guys, those sci-fi writers, eh? It says, the girls believed themselves to be in love and uh, to be loved and in love with some of the men, but were described by their abusers as something slangs. You can fill it in for yourself. Again, you'll get it from Hollywood. There's not a sentence goes by without the word in it nowadays. So, 
Anyway, that's uh, how things are going, is that the state brings you down and down and down. And, uh, and then I've, I always say this too, you understand, it's like, uh, it's like a farmer owning a cow, and then he breaks his legs one by one, and once he's on the ground, he points to the cow and kicks it so it can't get up. You see, all the destruction within society was deliberate, absolutely deliberately created. And uh, Tony Blair's, um, uh, the guy who was assistant to the Prime Minister, came out to the mainstream and said that the idea was to flood Britain with diverse cultures very rapidly in large numbers so that the culture of Britain would be destroyed and could never be resurrected again. That was mainstream media. I read it here on the air when it, when it came out, that article. And it's happening elsewhere too. And the whole world is to get this treatment until no old culture that was self-sufficient could ever reform itself and be self-sufficient again. That's the plan. And the chaos you have with prostitution and drugs, that's just, uh, again, you can't make the omelette without breaking eggs, as the big boys say. I'll also put up a video tonight where an 11-year-old exposes Monsanto, does a good little spiel on stage, and tells Monsanto where they can shove it. It's got his stuff down quite pat, so it's, it's pretty good to watch. Then as hackers take down a CIA site, so we're told, I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, this is the claim anyway, uh, it says um, a new hacking group have taken down a CIA website. Now it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this, or did the CIA simply say that to get new laws through, who knows. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix and talking about a hacking group that's, they call themselves Lulzek, is called, and apparently they've got a, a big following on the Twitter, 150,000 followers apparently, and they've hacked different companies, the US Senate and various other organizations, Sony, and uh, this is what we're told anyway, and then they've gone after uh, a CIA uh, site as well and hacked that. And it seems kind of out in the open. I thought hackers were generally pretty quiet guys who kept secrets and very, kept very secretive, in fact, because of what they were up to. But I'm just wondering what will come out of this. It says that all six hacks come after Australian banks, governments, departments, and other organizations were forced to upgrade their security rapidly following a breach of security provider, RSA. The RSA br- uh, breach resulted in a break-in at defense contractor Lockheed Martin. Well, these are the guys now who run the missile the missiles uh, in Britain, now they're privatizing the nuclear missiles. Look, Martin, I was in charge of them all. And, oh, it's just amazing. They also run uh, all the, 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 the airports now, too, for their uh, radio uh, scanner guys and all that kind of stuff. So they're, they're doing very, very well for themselves, Lockheed Martin. And in Sony as well, uh, we're also a hit uh, and various other ones too. So it'll be interesting to see what laws are drawn up or what they'll tell us will be safer, which is probably going to be the cloud as he all pushes into the cloud. We'll wait and see what comes out of this particular group and uh, and where the, the government takes it. Even if they're genuine, if they're genuine, the government will see what can use this, this as an opportunity and push us all into the cloud, no doubt. And then we'll get all our special IDs and all the rest of it before we can use a computer because that's where it's all going. And also, too, uh, it's interesting how... Um, 
It says, uh, this is Pakistan, this is a fire in Nebraska's Fort Calhoun nuclear power plant briefly knocked out the cooling process for spent nuclear fuel rods, uh, ProPublica reports. It happened on June the 7th. We're just finding out about it now. Thanks to the media being quiet. And it says, a knocked out cooling for approximately 90 minutes. After 88 hours, the cooling pot or pool would boil dry and highly radioactive materials would be exposed. Well, even, even for 90 minutes, they would superheat the water and they probably dumped it in the, in the river that goes right past there. It's flooding too. Plus you got a fire in the basement. So they kept that quiet for, for a week there. So June the 6th, the Federal Avi- Administration Aviation issued a directive banning aircraft from entering the airspace within a two-mile radius of the plant. I guess they were scared it was going to blow or it was already given off radiation. Says no pilots may operate on aircraft in the area covered by this NOTAM, N-O-T-A-M, referring to the notice to airmen, effective immediately. Since last week, the plant has been under a notification of an unusual event classification that was level four because of the rising Missouri River. Uh, that is the lowest level of emergency alert. Lowest, it says it would high. We're up to level four. The OPPD claims the FAA closed airspace over the plant because of Missouri River flooding, but the FAA ban specifically lists the Fort Calhoun nuclear power plant as a location for the flight ban. So, uh, I haven't heard any more since, since then. It's all been told the plant got kind of flooded because Missouri uh, uh, had, had flooded its banks. And it's actually pictures up there. You'll see it flooding around the plant itself. And then they had a the fire in the basement. That's all they're telling us. And if the water was out for a while, no doubt they have to ditch it off like they do in Toronto, or I should say in Lake Ontario. The Pickering plant just dumps it in the, in the lake, and that's all there is to it. And they tell us it's quite safe. What a strange world we live in, eh? Where nothing is as what it seems to be. And truth isn't just stranger than fiction. Uh, truth is the hardest thing you'll ever get your hands on. And if you do, you're, you're, very, you're often then a very dangerous person. <laughs> you might not last long. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.